Welcome to Expanded Universe Season 2, Episode 4, The Very Bad Things. The book, The Crystal Star by Vonda McIntyre, the year 1994, with your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go. Reverse permanent butterfly wolf wares. I got a yup nub for you. I hate dogs and Chewbacca's. Set my jackhammer to kill. <laughs> Welcome back to Expounded Universe, Season 2, Episode 4 of Season 2, but Episode 16 overall, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a new year. 17. Yeah. It's a, it's a new day. It's a new dawn. It's a brand new day. And I'm I, feeling good. I just sold my marriage to the devil. It's a brand new day. <laughs> hey. Look at you making Spider-Man references. A- appropriate Spider-Man references. Spider-Man references. That wasn't even wrong, right? That is what happened after he sold his his marriage to like Mephistopheles or Blackheart or whatever. Whichever whichever Marvel dev- <laughs> devil. Uh there's there's a few different Marvel devils, right? Well, I mean there are there are Marvel demons. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's only one Marvel devil. Although he's not even the real devil. <laughs> he's not even the because I think I think Marvel occasionally you'll have a writer who establishes that there is a like actual Christian god and devil that exists. Well, you have to, otherwise, you know, Daredevil's kind of a yeah. Well, yeah, all right. The weird thing is when they're like, oh, and like Thanos gets ultimate power, and then like Jesus comes over and takes the gauntlet from him. You're like, wait, what? Hold on. Wait, have, they've done that? No, I oh. God, I wish they had done that. That would have been amazing. The final setup for the massive battle between Thanos and Jesus would be <laughs> would be pretty amazing. Oh yeah, that would be so good. Jesus all hitting him with a dragon rana off the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why not? Why isn't why can't Jesus be a pro wrestler? And his tag partner is El Santo. There you go. That's what I want. Marvel, get it done. Marvel, Jesus, we're looking to you now. Jesus and famous deceased Mexican wrestler El Santo versus Thanos. Let's let's get that going on. There you go. You know they both work for death, and she sent them out against him. And and he's like, oh no, it can't be happening. <laughs> By the Wait way, a minute, that's Jesus's intro music. <laughs> Double do for Christ. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it had to be an MC 900 foot Jesus song. The only one that there is. The only one. Yeah, so if I only had a brain starts playing. Yeah, man, that's an old reference. I'm sorry about that. That's too old. Too old, man. You gone too far back. I went too far back. It's okay. It's all right. Can we just go with, can we go with detachable penis instead? No, nope, wait, even nope. older. Nope. Hang on. I can do this. Boris Pickett's Monster Mash. Good. Let's just keep on trucking backwards. Camp Granada? <laughs> Do we have to go all the way back to old-timey 1915 songs? You know, all like All uh, the way back. I must love you, for I sure do not like you, Marie. Yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> okay, um, so this is Expounded Universe, the Star Wars discussion podcast where we don't talk about Jesus fighting Thanos. We talk about Star Wars. Man, where's our podcast where we do talk about that? Because, <laughs> shit, I'm on board. Dude, we should start, start a podcast that's just Thanos versus things. Yeah, let me start the fa- the Thanos versus podcast and uh, just give us suggestions, and, and yeah. I'll tell you why every time Thanos wins. Yeah, it's just a podcast where John explains why Thanos would defeat whatever it is you suggest. Yeah. What if he if the uh, suggestion was two more Thanoses? <laughs> yeah, well, let me tell you why. <laughs> Anyway, this is chapter four 
of The Crystal Star by Vonda McIntyre, uh, in which a lot of things happen, because this is going to be the first chapter that opens up the... Uh, the it's a multi-chapter or it's a multi-structured chapter. We aren't hanging around with one character. Yeah. Well, I mean, it almost feels like we are close to getting back to our regular uh, structure from uh, the old book, where it would go between characters, and the chapters were ridiculously short. Because with this one, we've got one long chapter, but the chapter uh, essentially gets divided into three parts, and you go Leia. Han and Luke, and then the Chitlins. Yeah, we got to check in with Jaina again, although we actually don't really even see uh, Jason in, in well, chapter 4. Well, I mean, four. we see him, but he has nothing to do. Yeah, that's pretty much Jason's story in this show, isn't it? Or this book, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, at least he gets slightly more than Anakin, who is asleep. <laughs> yeah. I assume he's force asleep, though. Like, yes. He's, he's being put to sleep with Hethrier's dark powers. Ooh, baby, I'm being put to sleep by Vonda McIntyre's dark powers, if you know what I mean. <laughs> hey, now, let's get a, let's start the digs on this book already. <laughs> so, yeah, sure, why don't you take it away? I'm still opening up my notes for what happens at the beginning of this chapter, and I read it, oh, gosh, three weeks ago, so uh, <laughs> so I'm pretty reliant on getting my notes. Do you, you want to you yeah, pause? Yeah, so, so the first thing that we do is we start on Leia. Uh, oh, that's right, and she is having dreams. She's she is she's just a sad, sad mama. Yeah, and she is reaching out for her babies using force dreams. I assume. Yeah, she's doing force dreams, but she's having these bad dreams where her babies are being pulled away from her through some sort of warp tunnel. Yeah, so I I mean, it doesn't quite specify that she's like, oh yeah, she can sense the where her children are and that they are going at like light speed or whatever but that's pretty much what the dream is i mean to be clear here what she eventually does at the end of this chapter is straight up some brand new crazy force that's some cool new jedi trick she's displaying oh yeah well i mean i assume that's gotta be every book in the fucking expanded universe is just i needed an excuse for one of my play or characters to do something and it's the force whatever they do that yeah so, basically, she's hanging around in the bridge of her own ship, the Alderaan, or I guess just the cockpit. No, she isn't. She's at the fucking castle. She oh, that's right. She go to the Alderaan uh, until the end of the chapter. I'm sorry. I Jesus, had this mixed up. awful at this. I was mixed up with chapter three. I don't have my notes in front of me. Leave God, me alone. I'm going to cry. God. God. <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry so hard. Cry big old salty tears. Uh, Fine. So she's having horrible dreams in the castle. And if, if that's correct, then the next thing that happens is she is roused in the middle of the night by the rascally, rascal droid. R2-D2. Yeah, which, fucking, okay, R2-D2 is going to be the only other character, essentially, in this chapter. It's just Leia and R2 walking around, and R2 is taking the place of what Chewbacca was in the last book, in that it is a companion that she has not bothered to learn how to speak to, and just assumes what they want. How is there not, like, a handheld, understanding Astromax device? How does he not have a screen that just pops up with a translation of it? I assume he does, and he doesn't put it up, because fuck her, is why. <laughs> well, I mean, I I know that it exists, because obviously it happens in the X-Wing. Like, yeah. he beeps and boops, and it comes up as a translation on there. Yeah. But, fucking, like, you get points where, I mean, obviously C-3PO can understand him. He's another robot. Well, he but speaks like, six million languages, John. But, like, Luke understands him. Yeah, Luke understands him perfectly well, but is that the Force, or is that just that Luke has spent so much time hanging around his astromech? It doesn't matter, because either way, if it's Force, then whatever, Leia's got the Force, and if it's spending time around an astromech, 
at this point, Leia has spent a shitload of time around this astromech. That's true. At least this is the chapter where it tells us Leia tried to learn some Wookiee and was bad at it. So she basically has the space equivalent of Donde Esta El Baño in Wookiee. Right, yeah. So, I mean, I honestly, this, this whole scene makes me kind of feel bad for R2. Because R2 exists in a place where no one speaks his language. Because they've taken C-3PO away from him. And he basically is here to serve Princess Leia in all of her needs. But all he can do is beepity-boop at her. Yeah, he can just walk in, beep-boop, and Leia gets to project whatever she thinks on to R2-D2. Like, what What are we doing? This is so, R2-D2 should be with Luke and, and, and Han. Yes. Instead, they've taken, I guess because they thought that maybe whoever they encountered wouldn't speak especially good basic, so they took C-3PO with them. Well, yeah, but, because the message was sent in a weird language, they're like, oh, we need our translator droid. But, I mean, literally, R2-D2 is here on Munto Kodri because he's he is an astromech droid, and that's it. He's there to help Leia fly the Alderaan. <laughs> that's his only reason for being there. But he is trying his damnedest to move the story along for us. And you know what? I appreciate that. So good job, little droidy buddy. Also, I, I, I have to say, given this chapter and the first chapter where he fucking just, like, pushes a victim into a room and is a huge asshole. Yeah, that was a bummer. What was he doing? It feels like R2 is just a dick in this universe. Yeah. Like, I know in the main Star Wars one, he's kind of scrappy and a little pushy, but in this one, he is just straight up an asshole. No, I think he, he canon is the only Star Wars character that routinely swears. Yeah. He's just a, a greasy, mean little man. <laughs> I mean, he, he basically... Take a longshoreman, stick him into a tiny little can, and have him beepity boop instead of swear at you. What we're saying is he's basically like a 40k dreadnought made out of Popeye. <laughs> yes. Ah, I'll tell you. <laughs> ah, the heretics. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd like. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, he manages through some fucking charades, which I, I still can't believe we're reduced to that, to get Leia to get out of bed and go outside. Yeah. I mean, R2-D2's entire ability to do things is run into people until they do what he wants. Yeah. So, so it's like, oh, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to get a glass of water? Slam. Do you want me to walk over here? Slam. Yeah. Oh, God, my shins hurt so bad. It's just a cat. What do you want, R2? Do you want to go outside? Does R2 want to go outside? Beep. <laughs> and then he just wants back in immediately. Yeah. So, Okay. Uh, she manages to follow R2 out into the night air where carved stone statues dance in the mysterious firelight of the ancient castles of Montokodri. Oh, boy. But anyway, she thinks that R2 is dragging her to the doctor's office to see. She thinks that basically all the beepity boops are that, that uh, Chewie has woken up. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I don't even want to talk to that Chewbacca. He let my kids get kidnapped, that fuck shit Wookiee. But I love him so much and I want to talk to him. Oh, so God, I hate Leia's, and it continues, Leia's whole hatred of Chewbacca for letting these kids get kidnapped. I'm like, man, fuck you, Leia. You wouldn't have done anything. Your hatred of Chewbacca getting almost killed in defense of your children is bullshit. Fuck you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I kind of wanted that to be what was happening, too. I wanted, I wanted R2 to be dragging Leia to, like, Chewie's bed. Just so that the two of them, who I assume at this point have figured out a method of communicating amongst themselves, could have a frank discussion about the shortcomings of Princess Leia. <laughs> Look, we need to sit you down. It's an intervention. They go into a room and there's a big banner that says, we, we love and support you. And uh, everyone's got a few notes they need to give Princess Leia. Unfortunately, it's not an Alderaan basic, so she thinks it's a wedding announcement for the garbage can and the dog. Ah! 
<laughs> oh, I don't speak this language, but I assume that means that this dog is marrying this garbage can. Oh, my husband's dog and my best friend's robot are finally hit tying the knot. And my brother's robot are finally well, tying I the knot. Well, I guess that's what happens when you put liberals in office. <laughs> Wait, she's a politician. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is so basically, it's not. She's not going to the doctor. She's being dragged off into the forest. Yeah. So but, she soon realizes, oh, he's like taking me to where my kids were kidnapped. I'm freaking out. Maybe he knows something about it. Yeah. And also at this point, she finally realizes she was drugged at the end of chapter three. Yeah. She kind of goes, oh, wait a minute. I don't. I, I didn't fall asleep in a normal way. Mister Eon must have drugged me. Indeed. And he also drugged himself. So I guess that makes it okay. Yeah. So they go off into uh, in, into the forest, and at this point, uh, there's a whole bunch of descriptions of night creatures making night noises. Oh, yeah, and it's basically just so that R2's beepity-boops are like, and they blend it into the beepity-boops of the night background. Yeah, it's not, there's no, there's even a part where all of a sudden, all of the mysterious noises of the forest vanish, and I was like, oh, cool, are we going to get like a predator interaction or something? But no, it's just scene setting, nothing, nothing happens. This is eventually Leia realizes that she's being led to where her kids were kidnapped. And I'm like, how did she not know that the moment they set off into the forest? Where else was R2 going to take her? Oh, he was going to take her to uh, his favorite picnic spot. And that's where R2 was going to propose. <laughs> to Chewbacca. To Chewbacca. Beepity boop. <laughs> we just needed a witness. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, yeah, I can definitely witness that I saw a, gar- a garbage can beepity boop at a dog for a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, and then the, the, the dog was like, yay, kind of. But, you know, it was like a half gurgle. I think he harned something. <laughs> he definitely harned at that, that trash can. Oh, you better harn, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Harn pass. <laughs> so, but no, she's surprised. She's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm being led to where my children were kidnapped. I'm like, seriously, what, what do you think? R2 found a white castle out here? What, what, are, you, what are you hoping for? Well, yeah, there's definitely a white castle. It's over there. It's one of the castles of Montecote. <laughs> it's where she was sleeping. <laughs> they, they, she gets hauled past the clearing where her children were, were abducted and uh, to her ship. Yeah, and now she's like, oh, maybe, maybe the, the kidnappers are hiding on one of these ships why it's so ingenious they'd be so close by yeah right here in my own ship that the children know intimately and could definitely press like one button that would alert me but her first thought is oh my gosh uh, r2 has led me here alone in a nightgown in the middle of the night because there's dangerous intruders on the ship (laughs) here's the r2 has a shock prod jet engines and a and a flamethrower how does he not even have a pen uh, just a pen. Just anything. Just, just a pen comes out. I, again, I hate that Leia is always with people she can't understand, because then it is, the writer just has Leia project stuff, and it makes Leia seem like a complete and utter doofus yes. every time. Yeah, it really does. But basically, her thought is, oh my gosh, there's kidnappers or monsters aboard my ship. Uh, what I need to do is go in there and fight them. And... Uh, <laughs> I just don't even. That's not what's happening. I mean, it's it's so dumb. But okay. Uh, so in the clearing is her ship, the Alderaan, and some other ship. It's Chamberlain Eon's local ramp trash ship. It's, Which let me let me bring up. It's not the Alderaan. It is Alderaan. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Her ship, Alderaan. Yes, and it. I don't know why it annoys me so much. Maybe it's because I'm a Southern Californian and we refer to all of our freeway numbers as the whatever. But referring to a ship as just Alderaan and not the Alderaan, because she also refers to the Millennium Falcon, not just Millennium Falcon. That's true. So, okay, 
Alderaan is Leia's personal ship. Uh, she goes into great detail about how it's not registered under her name, how no one knows that she owns it, uh, how it's a, a deep, dark secret, and how her personal dream is to one day use it to go on vacation to a magic planet where she can flirt with four-armed guys and, oh, wait, it's already happening. <laughs> it's already ha This appears to be her entire job, is to just flit from dream vacation to dream vacation. Uh, the, the idea that this ship is like, oh, uh... It's not registered under the name Alderaan. It's just registered under its number and all that so that I could slip away unnoticed. I go, okay, but you came into port on this ship. like Well, she came into secret port. Like, she landed in the forest. No, this is the port. That's where all the ships are. There's two ships. No, there are more ships. Oh, okay. Fine. This is the spaceport I thought for this, was, this guy. I thought this was the secret parking lot for these two ships. No, this is just a spaceport. Okay, well... So, yeah, she comes into port on this ship, and it's it's silly. The nice bit of future foreshadowing I like that it was accidental is that the Alderaan is basically, when it's described, it's just the Naboo, like, the ship that Amidala was flying around in. It's it's just a big, silver... Reflective chrome ship. So, yeah. it, it, and this, this book came out way before the prequels. It's basically just that flight of the Navigator ship. Yeah, so that's kind of a fun bit of, of foreshadowing for her, like, that her mom used to fly around on the same kind of ship, and she'll never know. Aww, and also the author didn't know. <laughs> the author also had no idea. Okay, so, uh... So, she she's gonna go into this ship, because that's where R2 takes her, and... She begins exploring every nook and cranny, and, oh, she's going to find these bad guys. But for a second, while she's exploring the ship, first of all, R2 sneaks away, and we aren't sure why. But while she's exploring it, she pauses for what seems like a three-minute inner monologue about the difference in work ethic between Han and Luke. <laughs> She, she stops for a second. She starts going, oh, Han, you would always skip taking a day's work if you could get away with it. Not like my brother Luke, who is always throwing himself into so many new projects and seems unhappy if he doesn't have a diligent thing to be working on. But even then, Han works so hard, and I found him asleep at his desk. That's why I sent him on that vacation trip with Luke. You know, the vacation trip I sent him to, to the radioactive part of the galaxy where there's monsters everywhere and they have to travel secretly, while well, I spend my time eating Chef's Best Cookies with the Curlian Ambassador. Yeah. Right here on this magic planet where my kids play in the feather grass. Yeah. That's what work is. Yep. I, whatever. I mean, I know that she's like, yeah, Han would love it because it's on the, like, outskirts and he can go be a scoundrel like he used to be. But I think that's mostly just her like, ah, I'm so bored with my husband now that he's not a scoundrel. I want him to go get that back so when he comes home, he does me dirty like he used to. <laughs> so R2 basically drags her into the hull, into the uh, cockpit of the ship, and, and he replicates the noise that the ship makes when powering up. So he's like trying to get her to turn the ship on. He's like, hey, I, don't, I can't speak to you, so... Ringing any bells? Come on. Yeah. So she turns on the ship, and then he takes over for a second to show her telemetry indicating that a ship escaped orbit right after her kids were kidnapped. Yes. So he's basically like, hey, your kids were taken off planet. Yeah, and that this information was deleted from everyone else's registry, but apparently R2 keeps his own. Yeah. So he he's like, oh, this is my record, so no one was able to delete it from me. Yeah. So basically... This is interesting because literally she she asks him if there's intruders on the ship and he can't give her a yes no answer. 
Like, he's unable to do that. They don't even have a yes-no system worked out. Yeah, she can't even be like, beep once for yes and twice for no. But then he manages to launch into a little presentation where he's like, I have my own internal telemetry, and I used my own internal telemetry to record the data of this ship escaping, but no one else has that telemetry because it was stolen. This is all information coming from R2 to her. How? Well, again, it's Leia just going like, oh, I assume this is what everything is. Because all R2 does is show her the telemetry, and that is it. And then she's like, ah, yes, I understand now. And then just gives this whole reasoning behind it. You're like, really? All right, sure. Why not? So, okay, the next thing that happens is that Leia's like, I I guess you're suggesting we need to go after them. Okay, we'll power up the ship. But wait a second, R2. Wouldn't we be risking the life of Mr. Chamberlain's werewolf? Werewolf? His his horrible dog? His, His horrible, disgusting spawn? It's interesting because she stops for a moment to to think to herself that that her children are in far more danger than the Chamberlain's Wirewolf. Yeah. Which is wrong, isn't it? Because they kidnapped her children. They didn't kidnap the Wirewolf. That thing was just there. Yeah, it just happened to be there. And she even thinks, oh, they only took the Wirewolf so it would look like a regular kidnapping. That thing's dead by now, right? I mean, we know it's not because we've seen that in Chapter 3 already. But, I mean, how is it, how are her kids in more danger? They're the ransom. Yeah. The Wirewolf is an accident. Yeah, the Wirewolf was just, uh, we took this for appearances, but there's no reason to keep it alive. Yeah, there's nothing. There's no. It's not royal. It's not a Jedi. It's just some dog. Yeah. It's dead. That is a dead dog. It is. That is the definition of it. This is, like all dogs that have gone into space, it is a dead dog. <laughs> uh, but Leia doesn't care because it's not a human, so whatever. Yeah, it's, my kids are in more danger because they're white. Says Princess Leia. Yeah, I'm sure this werewolf is used to being kidnapped here in the ghetto of the universe. <laughs> so, so, but here's the funny thing. She's like, well, I'm really worried about that dog. You know, you know what she's not worried about? That other dog. Yeah. Because she thinks, as she powers up the ship to leave, that she's committing a crime by leaving under the blockade that's been put up on Monto Kodri yep. to chase after her children. And it's almost like she's forgetting someone because she thinks Chewbacca is still unconscious in the hospital on a planet that she's about to make very angry. Yeah, so she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave my almost dead friend on a planet that I am about to break all of the social and actual laws of. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to go fuck off and just leave him there for who knows how long. He's got... Nothing. He's got no resources. He's got no ship. He has no way to get off planet. I'm just going to leave my dog here. Basically, this is like someone moving houses and just letting their dog out in an alley somewhere. That's what this is. Fuck her. Yeah, this is basically when the when the pickup truck pulls over on the side of the road, the door opens, and a confused dog is shoved out. Yeah. That's, that's this scene. <laughs> this is the goddamn worst. Fuck Leia. <laughs> now, thankfully, I mean, thankfully, because we're describing a horrifying scene if it, if it were to be the case, but thankfully, R2 is used to how pointlessly mean R- Leia is. Because he has already recovered Chewbacca, and not only has he put her on the ship, he's done it in secret because she would have made him stay. Yeah, he snuck (laughs) Chewbacca on board, and the reason that he made her think that there were kidnappers on the ship is so that she would go search things while he puts Chewbacca on the ship, and yet he's... I guess he assumes that she's going to search it in such a manner that she doesn't come back to wherever the entrance is, 
or check the room where Chewbacca is. Well, he knows how easily she gets distracted, so she waits till he, he just waits till she checks the bridge and then goes in there and turns on the telemetry data because she'll just forget all about the, sh- the searching. She just thing. goes in there, turns on some Teletubbies, and she gets distracted by the noises and colors. Yeah. And meanwhile, Chewbacca gets smuggled into the back of the ship, and then once they've left orbit, and there's a there's a pretty intense scene where she has to escape escape from a tow truck. Yeah. Oh, oh, the tow truck is going to get me. There's there's a space tug sent to reel her in so she doesn't fly off planet because she is pretending that she's in danger. That that, uh, that, that her she ship doesn't is, have control over yeah, this. That the ship is jumping to hyperspeed, entire, uh, lifting off, going to orbit, and taking off into light speed entirely on accident. Yeah. And, you know, the, the nice guy at the uh, ground control is like, uh, yeah, okay, I guess I believe that. Well, and the whole thing is he's trying to be, like, reassuring, like, don't worry, we're going to get you. It's going to be okay. Don't freak out. And I'm like, oh, this poor guy is trying to be nice. And then Leia's just not able to go, nah, it's good. Yeah. Call back your tow truck. I'm fine. Yeah, so she escapes the tow truck because of the power of her super engines, and they, they disappear into hyperspace. Then she goes back to yell at R2, uh, who she is no longer speaking to, apparently, like like she ever fucking started, and, uh, and to yell at Chewbacca. Yeah. yeah, she's mad at Chewbacca for being here because uh, he's wounded and he could get killed, and he'll get them noticed because he's a very obvious Wookie. <laughs> I'll also still angry at him because her kids got kidnapped. Yeah, fuck you, Leia. Fuck you forever. I just, I want to move. I want a book where Leia is not an asshole. Right. What Can, do we? Is, what do we need to do? Is there any book out there in the expanded universe where Leia's like, "Hi, I'm a decent human being. What's up? I'm not a huge asshole space racist." I mean, I'm trying to think of one. I'm sure there's several, but they're probably not Leia stories. Because the only one I'm thinking of immediately is the courtship of Leia, which is a, you know, a Leia story, and it's got some ridiculous nonsense in it. It's, it's, so anyway, this is pretty much we're almost ready to cut scenes because the first thing that happens is she goes up to the bridge of the ship and she just sits there being mad about her kidnapped kids. Oh yeah. Well, we get one of these, like I'm gonna try and use the Jedi power because she's like. Oh, Luke taught me a meditation technique where I can, you know, stop feeling all worried and angry and upset and just let it all wash away. And I'm going to try and use that and then use the force to find my kids. And when that doesn't work, she just straight taps into the dark side. Yeah, she uses the dark side here. She gets so mad that the dark side comes to her assistance and draws her a red line through hyperspace. She gets one of those fucking old-timey red dots on a map, apparently. Yeah, basically she gets a uh, Indiana Jones style transition scene yeah. where a huge red line appears in front of her and then her her uh, old like 1960 constellation goes flying along it. I guess it'd be it to be earlier than that. So let's make it a Ford trimotor. <laughs> goes and then she goes flying along it through hyperspace, which I would have figured is dangerous to just randomly steer your way around in there. Oh yeah, but she's like, "Oh, I'm going to make course corrections in hyperspace mid jump." But it's fine. The dark side. It's cool. I have the dark side and it tells me I need to go that way. Yeah. So that's what happens. She uses the power of the love for her children to access the dark side and go skidding through hyperspace towards somewhere because we are going to cut. Yeah, and uh, instead of cutting what would normally be natural from Leia trying to find her children to her children, we instead just get a small interstitial where we jump to Han Solo. Yeah, now Han Solo, who has been out gambling with a giant cyborg or something. Yeah, when uh, last we left our hero. Yeah. He went out, he, he got a little drunk after insulting a weird bartender, uh, and just ended up playing, like, space chess. With, or he, he's, he played space pachinko. He's played space poker with one of the, uh, the what do they call them, the, the giant snoo-snoo women from, uh, from like, yeah. Futurama. 
So he's playing he's playing with one of those and then he gets he shows up at home a little drunk and with some gambling winnings. Yeah, he's got dollars and he's got drunkenness. So and, uh and Luke is waiting up for him <laughs> like a disappointed mom. Yeah, Luke is straight up sitting in a chair with near a lamp but the light is off until he walks in the room. Yeah, and instead of turning on the lamp, he uses his fucking lightsaber, which let me go ahead and say this. Don't do that. Like I get the whole where were you, Han? Like, you want to be a disappointed parent? But don't turn on your plasma sword to do that. Yeah, so as soon as Han walks in and starts looking around to see where Luke is, Luke ignites his lightsaber and starts waving it around the room. Yeah, like, you know, it's one thing to have that scene where the mom is sitting on a couch and then turns on a light and was like, where were you? I've been waiting up. But it's another to have that same scene but the mom has, like, an automatic rifle and begins waving it around the room. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so, basically, Luke is immediately accusatory. He's like, where were you, Han? We were trying to accomplish things. We had goals here. And Lo Han's like, no, you had goals here. I'm on vacation. <laughs> hey, look, I made us a bunch of money. Fuck you. Uh, that dumb letter of uh, money we were supposed to have from the Republic is garbage, so I went and got us some real dollars. And then Luke's just like, no one cares about dollars. We don't need dollars. All like, we need is the force. Like, no, you need dollars. You're in a hotel right now. Was you it? Know, was it? Did it? Did it take force to get that? Get into that hotel room, or was it dollars? Luke, you spent most of your life being a regular person, not a Jedi. You know what dollars is. Yeah, I remember when you need, needed to save up to go buy power converters. We're in that situation still. <laughs> like, just, just for a moment, remember back to the point where. For 20 years of your goddamn life, you weren't out there with a laser sword. Remember how useful it was to have dollars? Yeah, the one nice thing about this scene is I think it's starting to establish that there is something actually wrong with Luke. That he's not just being an asshole because the book is bad, but that literally there is something wrong with him. Something is messing with the Force and screwing with his brain. No, I think he's just a dickbag. <laughs> Fine. Well, he starts waving his lightsaber around doing ritual practice. He's doing some kind of like lightsaber practice junk. Uh, Han basically just is like, dude, I was out gambling. I made us a bunch of money. Dude, whatever. I've got a bunch of cash. And then he just flops into bed. Yeah. Yeah. He flops into bed and then he points he got, from bed. He kind of goes, oh, and tomorrow we need to go find 3PO, who, if you'll remember from chapter two, just wandered off randomly in the middle of a scene. <laughs> yeah. Just like mid sentence wandered off into the distance and neither of them cared. And apparently didn't even like Han was just like, oh, I guess. I guess tomorrow we'll try and find that droid or whatever. Anyway, fuck it. So at this point, this is the weirdest bit of Luke character assassination. I never thought I'd see that, but here we are. Luke's like, oh, 3PO found us. He's in the room. And he then 3PO kind of steps forward out of the shadows. Yeah, 3PO. Fucking ninja 3PO's like, oh my, I was here all along. You're already dead. I've blended into all the purple furniture in here. You, you've merely never seen me. I've already poisoned you. You're... You've got five hours to live. Ninja vanish. Ah. <laughs> so it turns out that 3PO wandered off entirely on his own, found the informant they were looking for, and brought her with him. <laughs> and, and, and then Luke decided that the best way to introduce the informant to Han was to, to angrily upbraid him about going out drinking for several minutes until he attempted to fall asleep. While and then swinging a laser sword. And then pointing out that she was in the room for all of this. Oh, by the way, she heard everything. Uh... <laughs> when we were using our regular names. Also, she just watched me be a batshit crazy weirdo and uh, knows that you are drunk and have gambling winnings. Anyway, here's the person we were supposed to meet. And then we get to meet the person. So, okay, let's talk about Zaveri. Okay, I have read, obviously, 
no real expanded universe books. Uh-huh. Is this a person that showed up in an earlier book? No. Okay, because the way that they talk about this character is like, oh, you should remember this character from like five books ago when we introduced her because there's this entire background of like, oh, Han and her, they have a history and, you know, she would call them by this and they ran these different jobs and she's got this motivation and it felt very much like here's a rehash for people who haven't read that book. Here's the fun thing about this. There are about six books about Han Solo from before he joined the uh, Rebellion. Yeah. Uh, and they cover a lot of his life. There are several that were written. I, I think most of them have Chewbacca in them. But right. uh, but basically, the the number of books about Han's life pre-meeting like meeting Princess Leia and what have you would indicate that he had been adventuring in the galaxy for maybe, oh, I don't know, like 80 years. <laughs> so, something like that. Because he's just constantly doing things. But none of them mentioned this character. Zaveri is entirely new. Okay, good. And you can tell because, like everyone else that is introduced by Vonda McIntyre, or McIntyre, she is impossibly beautiful. Also, the second she shows up, it becomes very romance novel language. Yeah. Yep. Where it's like, oh, and I, I could remember her voice, of course, even if she looked different. And as I caressed her face, all the memories came flooding back to me. I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. This is Star Wars. It's it's okay. Yeah. So so Zaveri is a rebel from before the formalized rebellion in the New Republic. Uh, she used to tool around with Lando, or sorry, Lando, with Han, uh, who I assume was not a rebel, was just some smuggler. Well, yeah, it's just she hated specifically Empire officers. Yes. And so she was kind of an Empire officer assassin. Like, she would run around discrediting them, them yeah. like, stealing everything they had. Yeah, and the weird thing is that they make a big deal about Han not recognizing her, that she's changed so much in the ensuing, well, to be fair, probably about 20 years. Which is also why I thought that she was from some other novel, is because they were like, oh, she used to look like this, and gave a very detailed, like, she had these braids, she had this outfit, she was doing that, and I'm like, I don't need to know that. There's zero reason for me to know that, unless... There was another book where she looked like this. Well, uh, to be here's the thing: outside of the the family, uh, outside of Leia's like new family, it's rare for these authors to mention mention other authors' characters. Like sometimes they'll mention Thrawn and Jade because those two are big deals. Okay, and, and Talon Card shows up from time to time. So basically, the Timothy Zahn novels get treated as real canon. But anytime anyone else introduces someone, like say Callista Ming or uh, Gariel Captizon, they don't show up in other people's books unless they're there to be killed off. <laughs> Uh, like, but and, and even then, only in like the the New Jedi Republic stuff. So characters like Zaveri are very much the person or, or the product of the person who wrote them in the first place. You you, you will never see her before or again. Okay. Uh, so Zaveri used to be a big old rebel killer. She's like a pre Rogue One Saw Gerrera. Like she's uh, can you remember Saw Gerrera? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That's what she was. She was like a fanatic rebel. Uh, and and eventually, but, but instead of doing it for ideology, she just really hated specifically officers. I assume for something they did to her person. They killed her family. It's mentioned in this chapter. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, so, so she's just off being a being a huge crazy assassin who briefly, apparently, spent some time uh, doing Han. Briefly, briefly, like a long time ago. Enough that he doesn't recognize her face at first, and then he's like, "Wait a minute, your hair's curly now." Oh my God, you're Zaveri. Oh Zaveri, I remember when I used to run around in a weird romance novel. Yeah, you and I, and we would we would go around and have strange sexual adventures. The thing I like about this is I think Zaveri is maybe the fourth character in this book who's introduced as wearing homespun clothing. Why is everyone making their own clothes in Star Wars? 
man, I don't, I don't know. It's the future, and everyone likes weaving or something. Everyone's super into fucking peasant dresses and burlap. It just seems to be the thing everyone's in. So I don't know. She's described as shapely, even underneath the rough-spun, homespun clothing she dons. Uh. I'm like, what? How? How much time do all these Star Wars people have to make their own friggin' clothes? Why aren't they just buying them at Space Target? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Let's let's go to that Space Mart and get our clothes. Notably, Jaina was also wearing homespun clothing before she was kidnapped, and Luke. So, a lot of homespun clothing floating around. Good. Yeah. So, uh, okay. The other thing is that she has a very unusual manner of speaking. She's almost kind of Yoda-y in, in terms of sentence construction. Yeah, well... It's She's, not that bad, but it's there. It's near there. No, it. I mean, it definitely feels more like someone trying to write a person that has English as a second language rather than, I've got a weird backwards way of saying things like Yoda. Yeah. Also, she has golden skin. Well, yes, because she's an alien, and also she comes from a planet where the first name that comes in your name is, like, your family names and honorifics and things oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, so she's been the calling last- him- the last thing is your first name. Yeah. So she assumes so, or when they first met, Solo was his first name, and he just had a real shitty family because the only honorific he had was Han. Yeah. So she calls him Solo, and he's never corrected him. Corrected her. Yeah. Like she found out later, and then it didn't matter because she had been calling him Solo for so long that whatever. So Luke immediately, I I, I don't know why he didn't do this during the the hours they were sitting around in this in this living room together waiting for Han to show up. He starts going in with this like, "Hey, you should join the rebellion. You'd be or the uh, the Republic. You'd be really useful to us." And she's like, "Oh no, my own mission is far too dark for the for the Republic. I must go on my own. I work best that way." Oh, once once I absolutely destroy the lives of these uh, escaped Empire officers. Why, then I'll give you their names and you can have your brand of justice, but I'll go on and keep doing my brand of justice. Yes, and then maybe someday, when my justice is justiced out, I will join your republic to do no more justice. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, Luke's like, well, you know, we're here on vacation, which Han is like angrily interrupting. Because he's like, no, we're not. We're here to see you. We don't want to piss you off. We're, we're not on vacation. We're definitely here to visit you. Which is weird because he like she was sitting in the room, you know, five minutes ago, and he was like, I'm on vacation, damn it. Um, so I don't know why he's trying to backtrack on well, that. It's because, too late. Because he's like, oh, I don't. I, I want you to think I'm a serious man with serious plans. Yeah. So Luke finally gets around to the important point, and he's like, uh, hey, so about the message you sent us. And she's like, oh, that was a lie. There's there's no cool Jedi's here. That was that was straight up bullshit just to get you here. Yeah, and by you I mean Han, but also I mean you, Luke. So here's the thing. I need you here because there's something crazy going on. And he's like, "Well, what okay, is it?" What is it? And she has to respond with the, "No. I must show you." Oh yeah. It's that that horrible fucking trope of movies of you got to come see this. What is it? You better take a look at this. No, just just say what it is real quick. Just be like there's a missile. Like, you don't have to tell me to come look at this. Yeah, and notably, we can tell. I can tell you, because I've read the back of this book, that the thing that she's worried about is Waru, who is a beach ball made of ooze and golden scales. Which I would be pretty worried about. I would also be worried about that, but she, her reason for why she can't just say that is because Luke would never believe her. And I'm like, yeah, Luke's seen Jabba the Hutt before. I mean, he's probably pretty used to seeing big, gross monsters. He's seen a Rancor. Yeah, I mean, if you just went, hey, uh... 
there's this guy named Waru, and he's a weird, gross monster, and people are worshipping him. Then, you know, at that point, you go, okay, yeah, thanks, thanks for telling me. You could leave out the stuff about how he's from another dimension, and he, ac he occasionally accidentally teleports people to that dimension while he's eating their force energy, or whatever it is he does, I forget. But also, can I just say, I really want to know what happened in this room for the couple of hours that... She was there, 3PO was there, and Luke was there. And that that wasn't this exact conversation, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Like, was she, like, trying to make conversation, and Luke was just sitting there in his chair going, no, no, we have to keep things dark, and I have to remain angry so that when Han comes in, I can swing my laser sword around at him, okay? I'm going for a thing here. Just look at your cell phone, and by all means, do not tell me what you called me here for. <laughs> Please, I do not want to know any details. Not until Han hears them, too. <laughs> also, not until I berate Han, and then we can do that. Yeah, make sure you hide in the bathroom while I'm doing that, though, because I want to make sure you hear it, but I don't want him to know that you're hearing it until he has heard all of it, and then I want you to reveal yourself, because it'll be more devastating to him that way. Yeah. So, this is my plan, and places, everyone! Like, you know what you can at least tell him is, the weird thing is probably affecting your mind, by the way. Because right now you're being really weird for Luke. <laughs> well, I mean, even for Luke. Well, she don't know. She I, don't know from Luke. No, that's true. She doesn't know from Luke. But here's my other question about her. Is she an alien, or is she just an Asian woman? Because huh. she's described as having golden skin and almond eyes. Well, well, I mean, I'm sure we're probably getting one of those. It is an alien, but it is a wink-nudge like alien that is a representation of something else yeah i'm sure it'll be just like the ferrarios which by the way also have golden skin i mean there's a non-zero chance that she's just a ferrario yeah that is true which would be weird that we have met three of them at this point after having never met any of them ever yeah and in just random different parts of the galaxy but no i i think she's just asian i think that's uh, that's the, the book's way of saying asian without having to say epicanthics not nah, because she's an alien well, Epicanthics is aliens too. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they have double eyebrow or eyebrow ridges or whatever it is. <laughs> I, I've never seen one. I have no idea what that's supposed to be. No. Anyway, so basically they agree that later, tomorrow, she will take them to see the thing that is too, too weird to even describe to Luke Skywalker, who has seen some weird shit, let me tell you. Let me tells you. Yeah. Like, before this, he got in a fight with a sentient battleship for a while. I think he'll believe you. I think I think it's fine. You can just say what it is. He's fought his own clone. <laughs> Luke. <laughs> yeah. Luke Skywalker. You can only clone guys who have a U in their name, by the way. Aw. <laughs> That's the only people who can be cloned is Luke and Jorus. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, yeah. And then I guess we're going to jump again. Yeah. And now we get to the kids. So, we get to the children, and uh, it starts with Jaina being led outside. Uh, basically, they're getting prison, like, yard time is yeah. basically what it is. Yeah, she's fed like a rotten banana or something, which she won't eat, but the other kids will. Yeah, well, they, they have a whole lunch, and it's, here's soup. Uh, this soup is actually disgusting and rotten. Like, yeah. It's not just that it's bad because it tastes bad. It's bad because it is gone bad. Yes. And so she pushes it away and tries to give it to the... The little centaur girl, because that's her new friend. Yes. And they straight take that bowl and throw it on the ground. Right. Which is probably for the best, because why double up on the amount of rotten soup you are feeding to a centaur? Well, I mean, maybe for centaurs, they're like, oh, this isn't bad for us. We can eat rotten Yeah. Soup. And I don't think she's... A, she's more like a World of Warcraft dryad than a centaur, I think. Like the, the, for, the, like the spirits of nature types. Yeah. Because she has, like, deer lower body, and she's starting to sprout antlers. Oh, yeah. She's, she's much more like... Uh, 
Like those little fawn centaur things in Fantasia. Yeah, that's basically what we're dealing with here. Uh, so they are told that they get to go outside and play, and as they are walking towards outside, Tigress begins to recite the list of outside rules. Hey, everyone, there's no loud talking, no running, don't nope. dig anything, don't pull at leaves. No games of chance or games of any kind. You are permitted to walk around out there. Yeah, it is It is just prison yard time. And then this is my favorite exchange, because... And and then he says, also, do not go near the fence. To which Shana responds with, why are there so many rules? And he goes, that one is not a rule. If you go near the fence, the dragon will eat you. And I was like, well, that's not an answer to the question, Tigress. You did also just list off 12 other rules. Yeah. That the, why are there so many rules remains a valid question. <laughs> it's not her fault that you ended on a suggestion. Also, don't go near the fence. Not because it's a rule, but just because you'll get it. Yeah. Which is weird because, I mean... Why is he even bothering explaining it? Oh, because it's a rule. There's a dragon over there, and it'll eat you. Also, why isn't it a rule? It should be. Like he's going to a lot of trouble to keep stolen Jedi children on his on his weird prison. Why? Why? Uh, he's like, oh no, it's not a rule. You're allowed to get eaten if yeah. you want. If you get eaten by a dragon, that's fine. That's not my business. It should be a rule. <laughs> it should be your business. Yeah, it's 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 expensive to kidnap Jedi's. Yeah. So anyway, they get led outside, and when you know it, it's very bright out there. And indeed, they're in the middle of a box canyon. Oh, no, sorry, it's a regular canyon. Because at the other end of the canyon is a big fence to some sand outside. And at the tops of the canyon, the Proctors, or the little boy lightsaber Jedi Master types, are practicing with their lightsabers. Yes. Which, I guess, no one has told Jaina the story of her grandfather. Nope. Because she's like, well, how do they have lightsabers? Only good guys have lightsabers. Only the Jedi Knights get lightsabers. Which I'm going to be someday. And I'm also going to be a park ranger and a drummer, you know, because we needed a reminder of how young she is. Um, but she apparently no one's ever even told her, by the way, sometimes Jedi are bad. Don't be bad or you'll wind up a bad Jedi like your evil grandfather Santa Vader Claus. Huh. Like, I, I would have figured five is old enough to know that stuff. Yeah. Like, just in the bare bones mo mode. Like, if you're a bad Jedi, you are irredeemably fucked for the rest of your life. Huh. So, anyway, she... She starts wandering around the grounds. Yeah, just, and she's got she's got her good centaur friend, and it's time for centaur friend to give some exposition about stuff. Yes. So uh, the first thing she encounters on wandering out into the into the yard is that that's where they've just sort of stuck the wirewolf. Like he's not dead. They've just collared him or it because I think wirewolves might be genderless. Well, I don't I don't know that we ever get a gender for that wirewolf. No, I think we, we keep, they keep saying Mr. Chamberlain's wirewolf or the wirewolf. I think it's intentionally genderless. Yeah. I, I, because everything else in the book is given gendered pronouns, so I think werewolves are—you don't know till they're, they go through their next cocooning stage. <laughs> no, no one's checking the junk on a werewolf. Yeah, they don't got to spay or neuter them. So yeah, so why even go back there? So, uh, so yeah, we, the werewolf pops up, and, and uh, Jane is sort of happy to see it, and then Lusa shows up. Lusa, by the way, is the name of the centaur. Yeah, and Lusa is c worried because the, she thinks the werewolf might bite, but interested in it. Yeah. So we establish that it's not dangerous, and then Lusa starts launching into a presentation on what's happening. Yeah, we get a PowerPoint presentation on what is going on here. So so Lusa is really afraid that they're going to cut off her horns. She thinks that uh, they will cut off your horns if you aren't a good enough uh, child. Yeah, well, they have a thing where apparently uh, once in a while a ship comes down, mm -hmm. and when a ship shows up, that means they are going to take some children away and leave the rest and it's supposed to be like oh they took all the bad children away and so 
for her, the idea of being taken away means like, oh, they'll cut off my horns. Yeah, and she says that since her horns have not yet broken through the velvet, which I think means that they haven't sprouted from her head yet, yeah. that uh, having them cut off would kill her. Apparently, if she has that, that area of her body cut at the moment, she will not stop bleeding and she will die. Yeah, so which I mean makes perfect sense yeah, from, so, a, from an animal's point of view. And you know, from a five-year-old's point of view. Because Lusa is also a child. Yeah. So it all it all adds up. She's terrified of, of not being good enough, but is naturally too rebellious to work out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jaina immediately starts questioning the mythos of the dragon. Yeah, she's like, oh, that's bullshit. There ain't no dragon. <laughs> Fuck the police. Let me take a look at this. And then she looks out there, and the first thing she does, re- remind her again that Jaina is five. She goes, oh, we're on an artificial planetoid. Yeah, that's the first thing I would think if I were in a canyon somewhere. I'd be like, oh, I know. This isn't real. Well, she can see the horizon down the down from the fence, and she she can tell from the rotation speed of the planet. She says that she can actually see the shadows moving, which means to her, there's no way a planet this small naturally developed. This must be an artificial su- station we're on. Yeah, that's and she's, and she's like, who would put a dragon on an artificial station? That's dumb. So she goes walking right to the fence. Yeah, which man, no. If you're a five year old, you're like, huh? I'm on a weird planet. Like that's it. You're not gonna think this is an artificial planetoid. Fuck you. So it turns out that there actually is a big lizard out there. It's like a dewback or something. So some lizard comes bumping out of the sand and roars and sprays sand everywhere. But Jaina quickly identifies it as a sand lizard, that it's just a big lizard that covers itself in sand and it's an ambush predator. Yeah. It's not a dragon, it's not intelligent, and it's not malicious. It's just some animal that lives on the other side of the fence. In fact, she's happy to see it. Yeah, well, she, she like runs back and apparently there's some like invisibility thing because as soon as she goes past this sand barrier near the fence, it can't see her anymore. Yes. And it just goes back to hiding in the sand. But she's like, oh, that was super neat. I love seeing that. I bet Jason would have loved seeing that. And she tries to think it at Jason, which again, this this book's house rule is if a force power is in use, it's in italics, but it's just a normal thing. Yeah. So she tries to think it at Jason. But, you know, Heather's got his... His big cold blanket. His negaforce power that he's using. So she can't think it at Jason and she gets a headache. Then... Indeed, the ships are... Oh, I'm sorry. First, she starts discussing the biology of the of the sand lizard with just random kids nearby. Oh, yeah. She's like, hey, kid, let me tell you about this dragon. Because everyone else, every other kid was like, oh, fuck, that thing's going to eat me. Yes. So she's like, no, I'm sure it doesn't eat kids. It probably eats like plants or flowers or... Or fish. Fish. And then Vram, the, the bully boy that we introduced in chapter three, is like, it doesn't eat fish. It's in a desert. And she's like, sandfish, you dumb idiot. Haven't you ever been anywhere, you stupid fucking shit? And I, the whole time I was like, oh, come on, Jaina. Don't, don't. She's, she's been around her mom too long. Jaina's entire life has been a series of magical palace vacations. Yep. Where she flies from place to place in her super ship, guarded by her Wookiee, and does whatever she wants wherever she is. Uh-huh. So, of course, she's seen sh- sandfish because he's a privileged little bastard. But but the first thing when Vram, her, the bully character is like i'll reach out to you and engage in a real conversation she just launches into berating him you idiot you dumb stupid fuck you uncultured swine (laughs) sandfish are a thing god god i can't believe i'm even talking to you yeah the what do you do exactly are you the son of the person who makes cookies for me (laughs) i'm having him killed uh but you know vram is Man, Vram's a little shit. Yeah, but this was a chance. Yeah. This was her chance to turn Vram. But no, she humiliates and fucks up Vram, which means Vram now has way more of a reason to, later in the uh, the story, be like, I'm just going to try and fuck with everyone then. Yeah. 
This is it's on Jaina. It's her fault. <laughs> so it, I, some ships show up because we're just getting everything done at once here. Yeah. So three ships show up and and, and they come sailing in. Yeah. But J- and Jaina, who knows how to locate the headwater of a waterfall to tell you how tall it is, and also whether or not the planetoid she's in is artificial, her only reference point for spaceships is whether or not they look like her dad or mom's ship. Yes. So she... Th- she Oh, that one's shiny, but it's not silver, so it couldn't be Alderaan. And the other two are too small to be the Millennium Falcon. So right. I, I Okay. I, I mean, she's pretty good at some things, but there are other places that she's a five-year-old. Yep. It's, it's a weird characterization set. But the ships land... Hethrier shows up, all the children line up, Vram gets his head padded for being a good little shit stain. Yeah, because he pushes a kid. He pushes kids down and he uh, tells on like kids who were being disruptive. Yeah. Basically, he, he shoves kids out of line and then yells at them for being out of line. Is what she, he, He's generating problems he can repair, which Hethrier rewards with a friendly pat on the head. And he's like, yes, good, thank mm. you for being a little shit. Yes, you're a good little evil bastard. Yes. yes. I love it when children are just dickheads. Well, this is Jedi Test Day. So what he's doing, Hethrier that is, he's hauled out one of those Force-only lightsabers. That This one only has a light bulb on the end of it. Yeah. And he goes child by child and has them test to see whether or not they can turn on the lightsaber with the Force. And uh, it turns out this is all bullshit. He's cheating. I mean, he is fighting actual Jedis here, but only human Jedis. Yes. Or very, very near human uh, is apparently what's going on. Because after he's done separating the kids, it's clear to Jaina, but apparently not to the other kids, because she's just such a fucking good Jedi, you guys, that... that, uh, he is using his force blanket shutdown power to stop people he doesn't want to be able to turn on the lightsaber. Well, yeah, she when he gives it to Lusa, yeah, she can feel with her force power that Lusa could turn on the light bulb. She yeah. is apparently force sensitive, but Hethrier is stopping her from being able to do so. Yes, and by the time he's done testing all the children, it's basically aliens and bad kids in <laughs> one group. Aliens on one side, humans on the other. Yeah. It is this whole thing, like the last chapter in this bit, is very much just. Hey man, did uh did we not get the whole like concentration camp thing close enough for you? Here it is. These are these are just bad guys. These the Empire is Nazis in this. Did you did you not get enough of it from the Empire Reborn and the Empire Youth? Yeah, d- there's an entire bit here where it's like, "Hey guys, uh the this is this is a whole training thing for the Empire Youth." Yeah, and, and then- uh we only want certain races wink we're Nazis, wink. Yeah, and then the whole point of it is to feed all these Empire youth into the Empire Reborn, yeah. which is a ch- something we hear in this chapter for the first time. That's what Hethrier is doing. He's a supplier of Jedi Knights, or, or Sith Darths, for the Empire Reborn. Uh, so Jaina basically calls out Hethrier for cheating, but she's in the good group anyway because she's too valuable to just dispose yeah, of. Yeah, because she's a human and Force-sensitive. Yeah. And then the children are dragged off alive and loaded into a ship and taken somewhere else. I assumed like a work facility or something. This doesn't make any sense to me. Like, if you know with great certainty that you do not want a centaur Jedi, why kidnap one? Yeah, I don't I, I don't know where all of these kids come from because like at least with Jaina and Jason whatnot, we understand that they were specifically kidnapped to come here. They're mostly kidnapped to get Anakin. Like but, he's he's crazy into getting Anakin turned. Yeah. But, I mean, they also want these two because they're Force-sensitive. Yeah, Who they're cares? powerful Force-sensitives, yeah. But did they did they kidnap these other kids, too? And, like you say, if so, why? If you know 
we're a horrible racist thing and we're not going to want any aliens. Why did you take any aliens? I mean, I kind of have an answer for that. I don't know if the book has the same answer, which is kidnap them before they become Jedi that join the Republic. Like, before they show up at Gavin 4 at Luke's training academy. Like, let's stop them by kidnapping them. I don't know why you'd bother bringing them to prison planet then. Yeah, why just, wouldn't you just murder them? Or take them to the work camp that you're probably taking them to or whatever it is. Yeah. Just do the just skip this step if it's if you're going to be racist at this part anyway. Yeah. What what's the point? It doesn't it doesn't add up. Anyway, he gives a speech about the Empire Reborn and then Jaina who is more or less immune to punishment because of how powerful she is. Uh, kind of starts yelling at him. She's like, "I'll never join your alliance. I'll, I'll I hate you and I hate the Empire." And I'll never do anything to make you proud. And he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, you already said you want to be a drummer. I get it. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I no, understand. You're not going to make anyone proud. No one's proud of drummers. I mean, unless unless your name is Neil Pert, no, no one cares. Yeah. Or I guess maybe Phil Collins. He was, was he the drummer? Yeah, yeah. He's drummer and singer. Phil Collins is a triple threat. Yeah, he's a triple threat. He's, he's a, a drummer, drummer, singer, and sex haver. <laughs> Not cool sex, though. That was Sting, who was the British singer from that era who had cool, interesting sex. Although, only when you're a kid. When you're like, oh, man, he had sex for like six hours at a time? That sounds amazing. Oh, no. Phil Collins was definitely like the Eric Clapton of sex in that he's very technically proficient, but still kind of boring. I feel like Eric Clapton is probably the Eric Clapton of sex. (laughs) I don't think so. I think Eric Clapton is probably like a BB King of sex. I mean, he's alive still. I think he gets the title till he dies. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's the end of the chapter. Uh, it's her yelling that she'll never do anything to make Heth Rear proud. Boy, howdy. And uh, there you go. And a- that's it. A lot of stuff that doesn't make sense in every one of the chapters. Will it be explained in the future? I think the Luke one will, and, uh, and that's it. I yeah. Don't, I don't eh. think we ever get an explanation for, uh, for is Leia using the dark side? What is that? Well, yeah, the entire thing is like, she gets so angry and filled with so much rage, she begins to cry, and that's when her power works. I'm like, oh, you just straight went dark side. Yeah. Which is, is this going to be addressed? Is it supposed to be that she went dark side, or is it supposed to be that she went light side, but she gets to use mom rage? Which one is it? No, because she tries to do the Jedi light side, like, yeah. clear yourself of emotions, and it doesn't work. And it's only when she gives in to emotion that it does. And I'm like, that's what yeah, dark side is. It's just straight up dark side. So that's what happened. So she brings in dark side, who's like, I will destroy you in the name of apocalypse. And then Thanos comes in and wins. And let me tell you why. <laughs> why would Thanos be and dark side? our new <laughs> podcast, Thanos versus Podcast. <laughs> People are going to want us to actually do that, you know. And we're yeah, not, that's and, fine. And we're not going <laughs> to. Uh, you never know. You, you can never tell. Yeah, you never can tell which one of our jokes turns into a whole fucking thing. <laughs> I guess that's true. So, folks, tune in next time for the thrilling Chapter 5. I'm sorry, it probably won't be that thrilling. For uh, the of, definitely still there Chapter 5. Of the Crystal Star, the book set about 14 years after the Empire, where things kind of happen, and everyone's pretty. By the way, there's a good half of this chapter is dedicated to how pretty Lusa is as well. Oh, I'm sure. In case you were worried that there was a new alien character with a name introduced who wasn't impossibly beautiful. Yeah, well, that's that's why the, the Wirewolves are so horrible is they're the only thing in this book that aren't impossibly beautiful they're not given names that's how that's how we know the wirewolves are gross when they grow up into kodruji they get names and then they're pretty yeah but when they're little dogs they don't get names because look you're not a a being that i would definitely want to fuck yeah so you're horrible i mean look at this L- look at it let's break this down characters who get names impossibly beautiful ferrario people uh zaveri and the the kodruji 
People who don't get names. Heaps of Brebeshems, whatever the bartender was, Wirewolves. If you're pretty, you get a name. That's hey, the rule of this book. Did, did the ghostling have a name? Uh, I, I'm sure it had one, but it didn't get it didn't reveal it at any point. Ah, okay. So, well, there's there's the problem. There's there's a because the ghost the armor is the essence of getting yeah, fucked. It is the it is the prettiest thing. So you're right. <laughs> the essence of get fuck. Yeah, I think it was uh, it was Casperling is what's his name. It was Casperling the friendly ghost. Yeah, Casperling mattresses. Yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. Anyway, as always, uh, if you want to support what we do here, you can give us a dollar at patreon.com/systemmastery. It'll unlock bonus content for other shows and help us keep this show weekly instead of bi-weekly. Ooh yeah. Which is exactly why you'd want to do it. Just a dollar, that's a great way to go with it. Otherwise, please find us on uh, you know, System Mastery on uh, Facebook, Gmail, Twitter, Reddit, all those various places. You can send us your requests, your questions, your comments, your concerns on our actual website, SystemMasteryPodcast.com. You can find all these episodes available for download, even the ones that have been pushed out of the the, uh, the crawl because we've made so many that we've exceeded the limit of our RSS feed thing. So goddamn so many. if you want to find back episodes, that's the place to do it, SystemMasteryPodcast.com. You can also click a button there and just give us some money directly. It's fun. Just just give us money. Yeah, just just give me a dollar. Just give us a dollar. We, I promise not to spend it on booze. I promise. Yeah, because I already have a lot of booze. Yeah, it's just going to go to mixers. <laughs> it's just going to go to mix-ins. <laughs> Look, guys, I didn't spend it on booze. I spent it on OJ so I could make screwdrivers. Yeah, guys, I already have a lot of vodka. I spent it on cranberry juice. <laughs> Come on, you guys. Come on. Thank you so much for listening. And until we see you in another week, I'm Elan Sleeves Bagano, and I love death sticks. Mm-hmm.